Hello, happy Bank Holiday Monday. It is the Anfield Wrap. I'm Harriet Pryor hosting this week. I'm joined by John Gibbons, Stu Wright, Phil Blundell to dissect that 90 minutes of madness. Phil, we'll start here. Is there any better way to win a football match? No, there isn't. I think I was saying yesterday afternoon after the game to my mates, if there's, if you'd have said, how would you like to win this football match? I'll pretty much guarantee that if you wrote down a way before the match, it wouldn't have been better than that. It was mainly because we obviously go 3-0 up. It's back to 3-2 and then you see Richarlison and... If anybody didn't think that Richarlison was going to equalise, then fair play to you, because I think it was, inevitable it was the most inevitable thing <laughs> I think I've ever seen in my life, that a man who hasn't scored all season is coming on with 10, 15 minutes to go away from home at the former biggest, the biggest rival of his former club. And he was, he's just a pain, he's been a pain, he's been a nuisance, he's just generally quite horrible, I think. And he comes on and he obviously bags the equaliser and you sort of, like, to be honest, it was the... I was very relaxed when it went in because I was like, well, I knew that was happening anyway. <laughs> and then to go down the other end and just, you know, win like that is it's absolutely fantastic. It's there was obviously downsides to performance, which I think we'll come on to later, but the the ecstasy of the way it came in, the it was just it, it's up there with anything anything this season in terms of highs, which you probably weren't expecting after fifteen minutes, were you? Yeah, Phil, you'd admitted defeat, but Diogo Jota had other ideas. John, there has been so many crazy games this season where does that rank for you in terms of the the madness that is uh, Liverpool this year yeah it, it's a it's a good question Harry because you know we've seen madness like you know beating United 7-0 at home and we've seen you know madness like the other way but very rarely have we seen so much of the contrasting madness in, in one game and you know, three nil up. I thought we might get ten here. Do you know what I mean? I thought we could get anything because Spurs looked awful. They looked abject. You know, I couldn't believe how how much space there was at the back, considering they had so many defenders on the pitch. <laughs> I was like, they've got an extra centre half here. It looks like they're playing with one because of, of all the of all the sort of space we got. So, you know, if someone would have told me at that point, you know, that they're going to get a batter free all, you just sort of how. But there is something about them, isn't there, Spurs? You know, both. You know, in both sorts of directions. You know, obviously they, they pulled it back. You know, with Old Trafford, and so there is quality and sort of belief there. They're just, you know, capable even more so than us, seemingly, of of kind of shooting themselves in in the foot. So, I think I think overall it was the maddest, but then, you know, it it did feel great going in. And football is highs and lows, isn't it? And people always say that, you know, the the the, the the great moments feel so great because you've experienced, you know, the the, the lows and stuff like that. And, you know, they're, they're very, very that close together, <laughs> is what I would say. Like, you're on the floor, aren't you, when Richarlison scores? And then, and then to, to, to be, you know, right up on, on the moon, if you like, sort of so soon after. You know, it's very rare you get that sort of contrast of feelings. I think that's why it felt so amazing. And that's why, like you said, there's, there's no better way to win a game of football. You want the official timings? It was 99 seconds, I Is believe, right? between yeah Richarlison and, and Jota's goals. So that's the I think that was the official stats. Stu, we, we mentioned there the highs and lows, and you do get to feel the contrast of everything throughout the 90 minutes. And I think Neil wrote in his post-match review a season in a game, and it, and it did feel like that, didn't it? Because it was total dominance in the early stages, and we can kind of break it up into phases, can't we? And then capitulation after that for a long period of the game, and then kind of the last five minutes in injury time, which had everything. How did you feel the, the game played out and also in relation to the season in general with the, the highs of highs and then the lowest of the lows? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, isn't it, really, to, to quantify a game like that because it's just, 
it's not very often that you can actually loathe your own team so so much and then love them so much by the end as well. And at the beginning, um, you know, I, I think in terms of of how it how it represented the season, I just think we can't defend. And I think I think there's there's been question marks and rightly so about the midfield all year, but the problem doesn't just lie there. And the and the really good tactical tweak at the moment which trying to step into midfield which is fantastic when we're going forward and we've got the ball it looks great but it does put additional pressures on the on the back well what becomes the back three and what's pretty evident is they don't really know what they're doing yet at every stage of the game uh, you'd only have to look at the son the second goal for them um the space that was in behind Canate and Trent, but Canate in particular. And if you look at the, if you look when the ball is played from midfield to put Son through, if you look at our line, if you just freeze frame it and just look at the state of our line, it is all over the place. And it's because you know Trent's obviously gone into midfield. He's trying to come back. Canate has then stepped out to try and put pressure on the on the ball. At some point, not being able to do it, it's gone back into midfield, and there's a huge space in behind him. Virgil's not tucked over. It's just not seamless. It's not synchronised yet. And they used to be so, so good. At, at, you know, to, to be able to pull off the high line that they've been able to do over the last few years, they've had to be watertight. They've had to be, you know, at Italian, you know, 1990 uh, levels, Brazy levels of being able to manage that offside trap. And that's that's gone. That That's gone. Um, I think they're also in a bit of a situation where they're being encouraged to do it by the manager, rightly so, because he's saying, well, we need to be able to, to press high to keep it contained in their half and to keep the pressure on. But that all relies on the forwards and the midfielders also being able to put pressure on the ball. As soon as a player in the Tottenham midfield or defence has got time on the ball to pick a pass for Son, we're in trouble. Yeah, We are in trouble. So if the, if the forwards and the midfield aren't putting enough, enough pressure on their players, that's where it's breaking down. And I think the the, the, the core betwixt and between, um, you know, in that first 20 minutes, it's no surprise to me how quickly we started because we, had, we were full of energy and the, there was a really good high press on all departments of the pitch. But, you know, after that first 20 minutes, I think I think Luis, Luis Diaz blew himself out from his celebration, to be <laughs> fair. I mean, he's had so long out. Um, there's inevitable there was going to be a drop-off in his energy levels. Gakpo, I think, is brilliant, but he doesn't press in the same level as what we're used to up there. Like He doesn't press like a Firmino used to or a Jota does now. Um I think Mo put a real big shift in, um, but the the way gaps and you also you also you add to that the idea of you know you're three 0 up and it's cigars out and it did become a little bit of passive play from Liverpool. So it only takes a you know a drop off in a percentage here or there, a slight drop off in the press, and all of a sudden they're able to start you know picking a pass. I mean you've got a player of the quality of of Son being able to make those runs, then, you know, it's going to be a test for any team. Never want, never mind a back line that's a little bit uh, hesitant at the moment. Yeah, let's backtrack a little bit to the first 30 and, and talk about the game plan that Liverpool quite clearly had to exploit Tottenham's vulnerability in the opening stages of games. We saw clear as day against Newcastle, how much they struggled in the opening stages. John mentioned it earlier, the fact that they basically looked like they had no defenders on the pitch, even though they had absolutely loads. It was a clear thing that Klopp had said to them, right, just go out the blocks really, really fast. And you have to say in that first 30 minutes, it, it absolutely worked to perfection. It did, it did work. I don't know. Um, this may be something you wouldn't have said after 30 minutes, but I don't know how much of it was us and how much of it was them. Because I think I think 
I think it's quite difficult to actually look at that game yesterday and talk about Liverpool because it was basically 90 minutes of Tottenham really if we're mm-hmm. being if we're being perfectly honest because they were awful in the first 25-30 and I suspect if they played like that against 15 Premier League teams they'd have been 2-0 down so I mean I'm in, and I'm including some pretty poor teams in that so it's not I don't think it's as easy as saying well Liverpool were this and then they were this because I don't I don't know what we really were the first 25 because I think it was so overwhelmingly to do with Tottenham like the the first goal of defending is, is abysmal like alright Curtis Jones is not a, the attacking midfielder but he's playing against the, the right wing back who should probably be sort of aware of where he is and he tries to pass him on to someone who ignores him and then he looks up and Curtis Jones is in five, six, seven yards of space at the back post and has a very easy finish. The, the ball was good from Trent, but it wasn't like, that's training ground stuff, isn't it? That's the kind of thing you would see on training ground where there's no defence. <laughs> the ball goes over and he just has a tap in and it's like finishing practice. That's that's yeah. That was what we were playing against. They were slow to react for the second. The third is just awful, awful, awful defending. It's a rash defender who usually does that the other side of the halfway line, but must have got confused by the line and thought he was still on the halfway line or something. That's the only thing I've got for that, because it was that bad. And then we went, well, we're 3-0 up here. These got beat 6-1 last week. They were 5-0 down after 20 minutes. They're not very good. The game's done. And they played like a team who were, we played Wednesday night, we're playing again on Wednesday night, save a bit of energy. Mm-hmm. And that's why I sort of look at it and think, it wasn't that we particularly dropped our level. There was no real level that we dropped from, and to then have to go up when... A lot of teams would have given up in that situation, but then there's players like, you know, Stu mentioned Harry Kane and Son, for example. You've got those two players on the pitch, you've always got a chance of scoring goals, particularly if Liverpool's intensity drops by 5%. And I know I've just said it was nothing to drop from, but we probably got a little bit less sharp in certain instances whilst having not come from a particularly high level. And once that happens, they can take advantage of that. All right, we get a little bit unlucky when Van Dijk slips and all of a sudden Harry Kane's put the ball in the back of the net and then it changes a bit but there were, there were signs as well and these players are always going to have the opportunity if you give it to them and we we sort of did and that, I think we sort of just thought well, they'll, they'll, they'll give up and they didn't and that's I suppose to their credit because a lot of teams would have done I'll come back to you on this because it has been a bit of a theme all season, hasn't it? That Liverpool have been kind of responding to how the opposition want to play and the pace they want to play at. So you feel like every phase of the game was kind of set by Tottenham and Liverpool were just trying to work out throughout the game what where to exploit the vulnerabilities, but then they couldn't find their rhythm again. Do you feel like a lot of it came down to Liverpool or they were pretty consistent throughout and, and Tottenham just up their game in different phases? I think, I think Tottenham up their game and realised where vulnerabilities might be a strong word but at least sort of areas they could exploit they figured that out they changed the formation at, after the after the penalty they go from sort of 3-4-3 to 5-3-2 to and they basically play Son and um, Kane as a front two Kulisevsky moves into midfield the full backs got much deeper which was a bit weird given they're both effectively wingers so you would have thought we could have exploited that a bit better but it was as, as I say the game was I just think the game was mostly played on Tottenham's terms and it's not something we're used to really because we're used to dictating the game and having the run of it and we just didn't and when we needed to react second half it made it more difficult because we sort of felt like we just we had to start playing and we didn't really ever start because it felt like I mean we were 3-0 up and I think we only had to be have more than three shots I don't remember was, we were four shots I don't remember on a barrage of the, jo- the Jota shot the Jota goal was the first shot on target since the third yeah, goal so basically between what, 30 minutes 75 and, minutes yeah 
It's a long time. It is a long time. The, the one player, though, John, I did think did try to be responsive and keep the tempo up was Curtis Jones. And it's his sixth consecutive start. That's the most he's had for Liverpool in, in a run of games. What did you make of his performance yesterday, but also just generally how he's been in the last few games we've seen him in? Yeah, I thought he was excellent. And I thought it's, it's notable as well to me that I think he's got better each game. And he's... You know, asking more of himself each game. I think you know he, he, he even said after himself after that first game of this run that he was a little bit safe and and you know he was saying that's understandable. I've had a long time out and so you you're seeing him finding his way. But I think each match you're seeing more of him from from an attacking sense. I mean, you know, he scores a goal in this, so that's sort of an obvious thing to say. But I thought generally speaking, he was he was he was constantly trying to get into the box. He was constantly trying to be, you know, a, a, an extra body or, or even an overlap. There was a couple of more times when he was in and I think he was a bit frustrated that that he didn't get in or I think there was one in particular where Gapco just decided to sort of go the other way. Uh, which which can happen sometimes. But he was he he always felt like he was he was he was a good attacking outlet there. I think off the ball, I think he's he's doing loads of great work. You know, you mentioned there, Harry, it's about the intensity. I thought he was one of the ones who was sort of keeping that up early, and you know, he's doing a really good impression of a really good Ian Klopp midfielder at the moment. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, I think we, we said on shows he looks like he's he's trying to you know become a, the, the new genie maybe, and, and is that right for him and and his and his talents because, you know, I'm not saying he's more talented than the, the Gini Wijnaldum necessarily, but, you know, you don't want him to be too safe because he has, he's got vision, he's got a goal in him, you know, we, we, we've seen that. And so you don't want to almost either coach that out of him or, or, or discourage that because, you know, midfielders who can, who can break through, who can, who can score, who can, who can create a, you know, a, a way of the weight in goal, aren't they? But, you know, you do have to do the basics and you do have to do the, the tough stuff to, to, to get into a Jürgen midfield. And he's, and he's saying that now. He's, he's saying, you know, we, we are sort of... you know going, The going. golden ticket into the team, isn't exactly, it? That's what he yeah, said. Yeah. Exactly. And so so he's, he's showing both. Uh, it's what I'm trying to drive at here. He's showing both at the moment. And, and, and that's fantastic. And, you know, let's hope he, he stays fit till the end of the season. Let's hope he, he just sort of keeps going and then has a good pre-season. Because I've... You know, been a huge Curtis Jones fan for, for a long time, ever since the youth days and stuff like that. So, I made up for him that he's that he's having a you know a bit of luck, if you like, at the moment. He, he feels like you know he's had not just bad luck with injuries, but but timing with injuries as well. It's felt like whenever you feel like there's an opportunity for him, you know, he's he's picked up a mad eye injury or sorts of something like that. Whereas now there was an opportunity and he was there ready to grab it and he's grabbed it with both hands and, and that's great. So so long may continue. He's proven now he's, he's an option for us moving forward. You know, I'm not saying we don't still need midfielders that we do, but what he's proven now is that, you know, in our range of midfield options next season, he should be in there and he should be someone who the, the manager knows he can rely on and the manager clearly believes that because he keeps picking them. Yeah, and he's a really good squad option as well if you're yeah. thinking about bringing midfielders in. And 22 years old, and for the heavy criticism you've got from a lot of people at that age, he does seem to be performing really well. It was a bold move, though, she wasn't it, to bring him in to midfield alongside Harvey Elliott. And then in front of that, you've got Diaz, who's not started a game since October. He does obviously get the goal, but what did you make of Diaz's performance in general? Yeah, well, I thought he was really bright for that first 20 minutes, as I was saying before, really. And I think when Liverpool were on top, he was able to, you know, show flashes again of, of what he's capable of. I think he, he, we're only seeing, though, him in third gear 
at this stage of his fitness, even when we were on top, there's so we know we've seen him. We know there's so much more to come. Uh, and both, both you know, when we're on the ball, but also defensively as well. He's a real warrior. Um, so it's just a process. Now you you can see it. You know when people have been crying out for him to come back a little bit sooner and stuff. But you can see in a game like this, actually, it's not quite there yet. Uh, and certainly after um, the first half, I, I think he he did struggle and he was absolutely knackered by the time he came off. Um, but I, I also thought like when the the team dropped, um, the team who's dropped before the game, I did think it was. I mean, my eyebrows were raised a little bit to see that midfield. Um, you know, it was interesting. It was interesting to see, uh, you know, how it played out. And I thought Harvey Elliott. I think when we were on top, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was really, really bright. One of his best, you know, cameos in the Liverpool team. Really, really strong performance. But I think as the game started to get away from us and we lost control, he was just okay. He didn't have a poor game or anything like that. But he was just okay at that point. Um, whereas with Curtis. John's already said there, I mean, Curtis was noticeable throughout. He was everywhere. He was demanding the ball. He was demanding of other players. He was probably, for over the course of the, the 90 minutes, he was probably our best and most aggressive presser. Um, he was, he, you know, he, he looks a top draw midfielder in the Premier League. Um, you know, with and he's, he's clearly, he has developed. Both, um, both in his decision making as well as in in his size. I mean, he, every time I see Curtis Jones, like I, I forget <laughs> how, how big he is. You know what I mean? He's, he's a big lad, um, and that's helpful as well. And I think there's, you know, with Harvey Elliott, it feels a little bit unfair because it's, you know, it's something out of his control. He's not as big, you know what I mean? And he's he's not as quick maybe as Curtis. Yeah, the header opportunity yesterday. I was like, that's the one player you do yeah. not want a heading opportunity to when go to. When they got a goal <laughs> kick, I was like, oh, fair play, he's won it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though nowhere near the goal, I was just like, oh, you know what I mean? You he's he's what? actually won it. Five foot it? seven or eight, yeah, wherever yeah, he is, he's done yeah, well there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think the question mark for, for Harvey Elliott going forward, um, and again, you know, I'm a big fan of his, but I think... He's got to demonstrate that when the game is getting away from us, when it's 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 not just us on the ball, can he can he drag it back? Can he can he can he bring the dominance back to us? Can he add something in in the midfield from that point of view to put us on top? Can he grab the game by the game by the scruff of the neck? And it's, to be fair, it's a lot to ask at this point in his career, isn't he? He's still a very very young lad. Yeah, he is still very very young. I think another player I want to touch on before we maybe move on to the more negative side of the game is Gakpo. He wins the penalty, he gets the assist for a goal as well. He's perhaps a player, as you mentioned earlier, that's still adapting to the pressing side of the game and the defensive you know, demands that Jurgen Klopp is going to place on him. But in terms of a player linking everything together so well, he's becoming a really integral part of that front three, isn't he? He is. I think I think it's tough to go into a team mid-season and, and be used as much as he has been because you don't get the pre-season to, to learn everything. And you know, you, you've heard Klopp talking about Curtis Jones last week when he was talking about but we don't really train properly for him to get back into the system of things. So that's the same for Gakpo in terms of learning what his teammates are, learning what the patterns are, learning what runs people are making and learning what you need to do ultimately. So he's just sort of learning as he goes. That's what makes what he's doing really impressive. And you look at next season and go, this could be this could be really, really, really exciting. I think the the awareness he had to get the ball to sort of make the run and create the space for for um for Salah to pass to him for the ball he puts in for, for Diaz, which is a really good ball as well, actually. It was a, it's a great finish, but it's a really good ball given he he's fighting a battle to keep the ball in play as well. It's not just a case of, oh, I'll just pick me, I'll run at the ball and pick me a uh, pick me spot I want to put it yeah. put it to. He's, he's got to keep the ball in whilst 
creating the ball. It was, I think he just it's very, very exciting what he could be in in two years' time and and next season and beyond. Yeah, and Salah's still on penalties as well. I think that's. I, I was kind of when we got given the penalty, I was like, "What's going to happen here? It, Who is going to so, take it? Were you were you thinking it was going to be Salah, or were you it, thinking maybe Fabinho might step really up?" Really odd in that the overall like high five of Fabinho, mm. and I couldn't for the life of me figure out what <laughs> Fabinho had done because there's about four people who walked up to him and high fived him and pat him on the back. I was like, "Have I missed something?" Here? I wonder whether because of the game situation, he's 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 gone. You take it, Mo, because it was. I I was thinking it. it of all the pens to get to to, yeah, to put true. that to bed, it was a lovely one, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it's your tune up after no time. It looks like, you know, at that point we were going to win 10 nil. Cigars. And out. I just thought, I wonder whether there'd been a bit of a chat and Fab, it's sort of been semi decided that Fab was going to take the next one. And then maybe he's looked at it and thought, you know what, well, Mo, just drop <coughs> this in. And, with, and if, if it misses, then we'll they'll probably give us another one in five minutes because they're shite. It just makes sense. Because <laughs> I, I, was, I was also looking at it while he was slapping him on the back and high five and him. Salah's got the ball stood near the penalty spot, so I'm like, yeah. he just decided he's taking it here. It was, yeah. I mean, he still scores a lot of penalties, doesn't he? In terms of his, his rates, fairly good. It's not like he's missing, you know, 25 percent of his penalties. He still does a reasonably good job, even if his recent recent history of them hasn't been. But you know, it was good to see. It was a confident penalty as well. It was you know, the keeper's struggling to save that one, really, isn't he? Yeah, the keeper is struggling to save that one. We're being very measured in our analysis this morning, but the post-match show and the post-match pint yesterday were slightly less measured, would you say, John? Here is a clip from the post-match pint, so you can check it out now. Okay, we can go straight back in. Can, do you want me to do another clap? Just really enjoy clapping, <laughs> Just really want to clap. Yeah, that was a clip from the post-match pint with Neil, Steve and Siobhan. If you want to watch the whole thing, you can, of course, download the Anfield Wrap app and you can get some free tokens to watch all of our lovely content from yesterday. You'll also get John in the Glenbuck talking about all the loveliness of yesterday as well. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, I had a good day, yeah. The Glenbuck was great. It was lively as well, wasn't it? I always like it when the songs are going and stuff like that because... You know, you're almost like taking people who, who who maybe can't be there either. That either haven't been in the game or have had to, to rush off to get back home. You know, into into the pubs around Anfield, and so you know, there's always a good atmosphere in, in there, and people come and see us and stuff. There was, you know, the Malaysia Supporters Club guys come in and uh, Boston. Nice to see them. Obviously, we've done the live show there a few months ago, so it's nice to see the chairman of the of Boston and and stuff like that. So yeah, but when the songs are going and stuff, and people can hear it. I know, like the people at home who maybe would would love to be there. You know, out on the L celebrating a win, it makes them sort of transports them uh, to L4 so yeah good fun good show good lineup, great producer uh, <laughs> all the hits <laughs> if this is not making you want to subscribe and listen to it then I, I don't know what will at this point check out the production check values out guys the production of us. Yeah, no, it, it does really take you on the journey with you and that's what obviously we always try and do here at the Anfield app so do check out the app if you haven't already and subscribe if you can because we really appreciate the support and busy end of the season we're keeping keeping the games coming we'll talk about Fulham a little bit later but Stu before we get there I do want to touch on on what went wrong because from from 30 probably to 90 minutes you'd have to say there was a a capitulation of, of Liverpool's performance it's so solid for 30 minutes you look like they're gonna win 10-0 as John mentioned earlier and then slowly but surely the wheels start to come off you mentioned earlier about the defensive problems that Liverpool have had there's so many mistakes that we talk about every week that can't just be coincidences anymore. These things have become so ingrained in Liverpool's style of play this season. Do you think that comes down to kind of individuals and their errors that they're making? Is it a lack of confidence or is it the system exposing them more this season in a way that that has done before? I think it's all of the above. 
I, I think it's all of those um, because one has a knock-on effect of the other. I think yeah. you know the system changes affect a little bit of fluidity and, and being able to do things you know without even looking subconsciously. Everyone knows where everyone should be, um, and all of a sudden now players aren't necessarily in the same position and and it's, you know someone's taking an extra touch and um you know and I think Robertson really suffered yesterday with that it was not his finest performance um and I think I think they've got to be humble enough to to accept the fact that lots of them who've been our heroes and continue to be but they are human and it's okay you know they're not at the best I noticed Van Dijk came out this week and and admitted that um, and I think there's a, there's a real case for that but there's there's changes within the team there's evolution isn't there and you know the manager's been right when he said before changes at the front end of the team do affect the back end of the team because if the front is not pressing as effectively as it should be and as it once was then you're putting the, the back line under ridiculous amounts of pressure um, with the with the offside trap, and now you throw into the mix the the Trent change of position as well. You know, it does. Trent looks completely and utterly at home, by the way, in midfield, and I think he's put into bed this this narrative that Gary Neville was coming out with a, a few weeks ago that he wouldn't be able to do it as a as a complete midfielder. He wouldn't be able to receive it on the turn on the swivel all the time. Well, I think. He's spending the vast majority of the game in those deep line midfielder positions now, um, and he's fine. He's he's absolutely fine. Um, but it's it's the knock on effect that his pressure is putting you know elsewhere in the team. It's put it's putting a huge amount of pressure, I think, on on Canate, who is still a young lad himself, incredible player, incredibly athletic. But it's a huge amount of pressure, um, and I, I he, there was a time where. I've heard Neil reference a few times on shows lately about he he didn't think a few weeks ago that this Liverpool team could have done what they did away to Norwich in Klopp's first season when it was a mad game, what did it? 5-4. 5-4. Um, and we, we came back and won that at the death and he didn't think that that Liverpool team had that in them. But there's... There's something about that Liverpool team back then. We conceded a lot of goals and we needed a bit of chaos going forward to be able to to, to, to win it. And you got that injection of energy from that new manager and his belief. But the, the that Liverpool team that were conceding a lot of goals, we were blaming individuals for that. We were blaming the Lovrens of this world for that. And we were saying it'll be resolved when we, when we sign Virgil van Dijk and when we sign Fabinho and we sign a goalkeeper. Well, we signed them and it did solve it. But the same things are happening again now. So... I think there is a personnel issue, and I don't. I'm not saying we need to get rid of the personnel, but I'm, what I'm saying is there's issues there. It's a combination of all those th- of all those things. Um, I also don't think, and I've said this be- be- before on shows. Although he's playing better, I'm not really sure how effective Fabinho is now within that role. Um, I, 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 it's, I, I can't remember the last time I saw Fabinho. I can't. I can't remember the last time I saw him um, chase someone down and put in, you know, a, a tremendous tackle to save the pressure on our back four or our back two. I can't. I can't remember the last time I saw that. I'm seeing him more on the ball, but defensively, I, I'm just not sure now. Um, so I, I think that, I think there's, there's work to do. They need a pre-season if they're gonna if they're gonna stick with this trend evolution and stick keep him in the position he's in, but wandering into midfield. They need a bit of. They need. A little bit of work in the transfer markets, but they need a hell of a lot of work uh, in pre-season to drill this in 
you know, what's happening in all scenarios in the game state. Yeah, it looked like there was a lack of protection at times yesterday. And I'll come back to John Robertson's shoot because for me, in previous games when Trent's been playing this role, Robertson's had to drop back a little bit more and tried to be a bit more defensive. Yesterday, I felt like he was pushing quite far forward and then we were overexposed on the quick counter-attack. And when you've got Kane and Son on the counter-attack, you kind of need a third man back there. Do you think maybe he just got a bit overexcitable because he wanted to get in on the attacking action or was it... A bit of basically the fact that it's the first time really using the system where they, a team we're playing has had so much talent on the counter attack and the, the defense just hasn't been able to deal with it very well. Yeah, I think I think he was, I think he was caught out a couple of times. But to be honest with you, I think the thing that caught him out most of all was his actually decision making on the ball and his technical ability. A couple of times, I mean, that sounds crazy because he's a great technical footballer. But he just had a bad game. His touch wasn't great. Um, and he was a bit indecisive and he got caught a couple of times. Um, I didn't like the fact that I think after the second or third time in a, in about five minutes where he'd been caught out, he basically fronted the cop while they were going to get in the ball for the corner. I didn't like that at all because I just thought, well, that's what I come to before. I was saying, listen, we'll stick with you, obviously. But you've got to put your hand up there and go, yeah, that's my bad. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've done that three times now. I need to switch myself on. I need to get in the game here because he quite patently at that point wasn't. Yeah, the atmosphere was a bit weird, Phil. And, and Klopp spoke about it post-game and he just said, I think everyone couldn't believe it was 3-0 and people were like, well, what's going on? He said, everyone misunderstood it, including the crowd, including their players. There was a feeling at 3-0 of like okay what do we do now like how do we behave are we meant to be going for a fourth and a fifth or are we meant to be sitting defensively and then they got stuck somewhere in between and to be fair I think so did the crowd until it went to 3-1 3-2 yeah com completely I think it goes 3-0 and it's usually like in 3-0 at home in April usually it'd be like party time you know it's really meaningful the result but because it's broadly especially with the two o'clock results it was broadly a little bit meaningless at the same time, as good as it was and as fun as it was to be 3-0. It was not getting us anywhere in terms of what we want to be or what we're doing next season and so on. So it was just a bit like, oh, well, we've won now. You know, but this game's just going to peter out and obviously there's a, there's a warning shot or two, but then when you get the third one, it's like there's five minutes to half time. And then they go through again. And I think Kulisewski, um slightly scuffs it and Alisson... You know, keeps out so with his feet. feet. Yeah. I'm like, that goes three two. It's complete panic stations from everyone, and it's it was probably a good thing that it the their second took so long for them for them to score because it was just a bit of a it was a bit of a weird feeling, and it it felt like it was it was it was coming as well, and that was that was the thing. It's you're not used to it. It's like, well, what do we do? It's like we'll we'll really get behind them, but for what purpose? It's like. Oh great, we're winning three one at home to Tottenham. We need to get behind them so we can I don't know, come fifth. It's it's one of those where sort nice of two thousand two thousand and sixteen. <laughs> but two thousand and sixteen, the ground would have been a completely different place because you'd have been like, This is great, this is the start of something whereas now it's like I remember what we were doing a year ago and now I've got to get up for you know, trying to defend a three 0 lead at home to a team who got beat six one last week. It's it's a real sort of change of pace for us isn't it as fans yeah it is a big change of pace you said panic stations there John I never felt like there was panic stations from the Liverpool team and, and particularly the, the defence I sense there could have been a bit more panic stations at the time and that would have actually helped them click into gear a bit Jürgen said after the game 
I drilled into them at halftime. They needed to find their rhythm again and they just never found it. And I'm not entirely sure why, but I felt like they could have done with a bit more intensity, a bit more of a feeling of jeopardy that this is going to go to 3-3. They just felt like they were coasting. I completely agree with you, Harriet, and it's probably the thing I've found most infuriating about us this season from a defensive point of view especially is that, you know, we've not heeded these warnings. We've not, like, you know, it's very rare we just can see the goal out enough and you think, oh, what's happened there? Where's that? You know, Spurs nearly scored just before they do and no one goes, oh, shit, okay, all right, well, let's just let's just have nothing happen for a bit. Or if you're Andy Robertson, well, maybe, maybe I'll just sit in for a bit and we'll just, you know, make sure that that doesn't sort of happen again. It's like it's like we think, oh, get away, got away with one there, um, boss. Maybe it's our lucky day uh, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what they're thinking. And it's hard, listen, because I think calmness is important in football. And, and listen, we literally sing it about Virgil van Dijk, don't we? And then now we're like, actually, can you be a bit less calm as you like? <laughs> to be honest with you, can we change the words a bit? Like, agitated as you like Virgil van Dijk. It doesn't do have the mean? same ring to it, it, it doesn't, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and it's probably a little bit late now. But you're almost like, because... <sighs> You know, calmness and stuff like that is great when everything's going well and you're winning every week and, and you know, you're going out onto the pitch. But but when when things aren't going well, it's like, you know, our, Stu was talking about it before, are we adjusting ourselves enough to our to our situation, our form, the fact that other teams are, are having a bit more go against us because they can sort of, you know, see weakness. And I think, you know... Sometimes I can't figure out with Liverpool whether it's a lack of confidence or whether it's like a bit too much or whether, you know, there's, there's a bit of a lack. And I think it is that I'm not saying that they're arrogant or whatever, but there's there's, there's not enough agency in certain situations. Complacency. complacency is a better word. And I think, as I say, it's not like they get a warning just before the goal and then that should mean, to me, that should mean, right, nothing happens till half time now. Let's just get in, get in free now. You know, they're, they're starting to get. As soon as another team get encouragements, we don't do enough to stamp it out instead we're like we, you know, we're fanning the flames almost aren't we we're like oh yeah go for it again we'll just we'll just sort of bound on even before the second one you know Son goes through he's he's hit the post you know earlier and just, and there's been loads of examples of it this season the most ridiculous was Brentford away where they score it gets disallowed and then we just can see it straight away like Thiago does that step over and it's just like the, the, but there's been so uh, the Brentford one's the most extreme example I can think of but there's been loads <laughs> it's of like wake up and then they just go back to sleep yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah it's like yeah, exactly like we get the wake up call yeah. and then like it doesn't wake us up they snooze the alarm Basically, and then they just yeah. keep on napping <laughs> honestly fucking love, love, love a snooze like, like an happy rap maybe the staff on a Monday morning honestly it's like oh, quarter past ten's fine <laughs> but, um, I'm, I'm just jealous because my, my alarm clocks are, are humans <laughs> but um but yeah, it's it. They, they don't. They don't. They don't. Uh, you know, they get a wake up call and they just ignore it. And they did it again at the weekend, and they've done it all season. And I think that's the thing I found most frustrating about watching us this year. Yes, yeah, true. People come at Virgil Van Dijk now in a way that they never used to. Attackers used to kind of always play down the other side. They never used to directly go at him because in one-on-one situations, he was inevitably going to win the ball. That sense of inevitability has gone a little bit. And look, I love Virgil Van Dijk more than most humans in the world. But there is a sense that he does have errors in him now. 
I, I feel like he's playing with a little bit of an injury because people are saying it's it's since the ACL and he's not come back the same. I thought last season his recovery pace was still there. Yesterday when he's running back and trying to defend a one-on-one situation, the recovery pace is just a little bit missing, isn't it? Yeah, I've noticed that his pace isn't what it was. Yeah. The, 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 it, and it's only half a yard, but, it, but it's a difference. And It's a difference when you're playing against someone like Son or Kane who've got that pace and, and can counter-attack so quickly. Yeah, and it's, it's funny that you you know the conversation that you just had with John there about, about what them a bit more agitated. I was having the same conversation in the pub yesterday, just about how calm as you like, if you like, that 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 he is. And and I don't like how he tries to block shots. Stu. No, well he just dangles a leg. Yeah. But I I also think that when we're when we're on the ball and he's pressing high up, he's um, the line is high up the pitch. I always feel that he's square. I always feel he's he's got this almost. <laughs> I, I, I can't help but keep saying it. Calm as you like, you know, like pose <laughs> yeah. um, when he when he's there, and it's it's almost like, okay, listen, he's, he's a much better defender than someone. You know, Jamie Carragher was an incredible player for Liverpool, but Jamie Carragher would say that Virgil Van Dijk was better than him. But one thing that Jamie Carragher was, all, and he'll t- he says this all the time. He was living on his toes. He was in fear all the time. Yeah. Liverpool had the ball. He was always thinking, what's the worst that can happen in this situation? <laughs> he was always thinking, you know, where the ball could go, how he could be exposed. I don't get the sense that Van Dijk is always thinking of that. He's thinking proactively. He's thinking about, you know, where we're going to move them next. And I would like to see him I'd like to get the sense that he's, his body shape and the way, what he's thinking is a little bit more of the other and his command of the players around him is on that as well. I mean, he should be screaming at the players alongside him to make sure that they are thinking about all the possible consequences. If the ball drops to them here, where's the, where's the, the running in behind? And for me, that's where... Particularly when, particularly when we've, we've said here, there's, throughout this season, higher up the pitches and it's functioning defensively as, as well, as it has done, so there are plenty of times where the ball is breaking and they're getting time on the ball to pick, take a pick a, a killer pass in behind. So surely, defensively, we that should be uppermost in our minds all the time, um, and I think that would make a world of difference. It's hard though, isn't it, to be on top of other players when you're not playing that well yourself. We've said it with Henderson this season at times when he's been shouting at everyone and you're like, well, what right do you have to be shouting at everyone? But he does it though. When, I know, <laughs> he, he, he still does, does and he should. And that's why he's, not, that's not why he's a, a, a great captain. People do criticise that and I think with Virgil, he's probably thinking, well, I've just made a mistake there so I can hardly be screaming but, but, but He needs to be bigger than that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's Liverpool's colossus. He needs to be bigger than the, the game he's having at that given moment because he's got he's responsible. He's responsible. He's seen as the leader of that defence. He's seen as one of the the leaders of the entire squad. He's the third. Is he captain yesterday? So he's got to think beyond his own performance. He's got to think of, of the team and control that. Um, Jamie Carragher, as, you know, as I mentioned him before, he wasn't Liverpool's best player in most games. You know, I mean, he, Gerard was or whoever was, and he, he'd have he scored more own goals than <laughs> than anyone. <laughs> But it didn't matter. He was always, always thinking about screaming at players to 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 make sure there were no defensive gaps, to try and cover every scenario. And I think that that's what we've been talking about earlier on. I think there needs to be a greater sense of urgency, not fear, but a greater sense of urgency and dominance, and you know, making sure that as a defensive unit, 
<laughs> you shall not pass. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, there's got to be a greater sense of that because that's got to be the beginning. That's the beginning of a great team. And it was the, and it was the beginning of this team. We got this. We got the defence sorted. We became a team that was bloody hard to play against and that didn't concede goals. And that gives the platform for everything else to go. And at the moment, as you said before, people are going at, at Van Dijk. People are people are running all over our defence because they can smell blood because we're a shambles. Virgil van Dijk agitators, you like, get it going, get it, get it going next week. On a serious note, though, I think a lot of people have criticised kind of a lack of, of want of trying. And I think you see in that Tottenham team in that first 30 minutes, that's what a lack of want yeah. of trying really looks like. Phil, the, the substitutions are the ones most of us would have made. We were talking about it on the post-match show as well. You can't really criticise it, but then at the same time, they just don't really come off in the way that Klopp, I think, would have hoped them to. I think substitutions have been interesting recently because it feels like it's really hard to come into this Liverpool team. I don't know why, but it seems like it's most games. There's most games where substitutes are poor, they're slow to get up to speed, they're they're not quite having the impact of the of what they replaced. And I think ah, it's partially to do with what Stu was saying there in a way that I think this is such a a work in progress. And B, from a position where confidence was probably not even on the floor, it was through the floor. And we've got to we've got to drag ourselves back up. And that just doesn't just doesn't happen straight away. And this was a broken football team. I remember January, February, we were genuinely quite bad, weren't we? You know, there was Wolves away, Newcastle away. Not Newcastle away, sorry, uh, Brighton away. And they're two pretty bad outcomes to 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 lose 3-0 at Brighton, all right, it probably doesn't look quite as bad now as you would have thought at the start of the season, but it's still, you shouldn't be losing 3-0 away from home if you look at Brighton. battered as well. Yeah, we got battered and, we, you know, we were we were lucky there's a penalty overturned just before half-time and then we get 2-0 down at Wolves inside 10 minutes. Wolves got beat 6-0 by Brighton on Saturday. This is, this is the sort of position that we were in three months ago, two, three months ago and there's a lot of positives that we've, I think, found to come back from. But at the same time, I think we've sort of forgotten to an extent where we were and how this just doesn't get fixed straight away. And you're going to see problems like this, like the, the the defensive line for the second one. I don't really know who's right and who's wrong, but the two left-sided lads and the two right-sided lads look like they're playing different, different games. And it was the same. I remember I was on, so Bournemouth away, the away end is sort of, from the goal to about 40 yards inside the inside the half and you get a really good view because you're low down you get a really good view of the defensive line the first half that was where our defence was and they were all over the place the, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing quite quite literally and that's more of that and this is going to take an, at least a pre-season before this is properly like okay this is this and yet things like yesterday are probably going to happen just because you're playing against good teams, you're slightly flawed. There are issues, and if they, well, I said we're playing against a good team. We're not. They're not a good team, but they've got good players who can impact games in in short bursts. Should be a better team. Yeah, than they exactly. Are. Exactly. That's that's probably a better way of putting it. And stuff like yesterday is probably just going to happen. And you know, we've only got what we've got five games left, so it's a case of getting through these five games and going right. Well, that's out the window, and now we can really work on it. And we have come quite a long way from where we were in, in January if we're being honest so I think we've got to almost remember it because I think it's being forgotten to some points and it's just nice to not 
walk out of a football ground on 80 minutes or 75 minutes or go down for a pint on 25 or whatever, which is what a lot of this season's been. So, um, I mean, I'm going to take the small things, obviously. But <laughs> um, I think we, we'll know a lot more about this team in sort of six months, I think. And But there are there are things that need doing. But at the same time, you can also see that they are being done as we go. And, you know, it's not it's not... It's not going to be that we're just going to sit here and not do anything in the summer and crack on and roll on to next season. It's it's getting there, and that's what we we've all wanted to see. Basically, you know, four wins in a row. It's, if we're being it's probably it's the first time we've really done it this season. I know we did it either side of the World Cup, but that a it doesn't count, and b the fourth one was uh, that Leicester game, which. One of the worst wins. Of I all think. Time. I think it might be the worst win of all time. Not in, <laughs> not in Liverpool history. I think Premier League history. I think it's possibly the worst team can ever have played and won. So I want to see less of that. And I, or, I or also want to do it tonight. Or well, yeah. I mean, I want to see if, if Valfey scores two own goals tonight. I'll be displeased. <laughs> to be honest, John. There are issues, John, but none of that mattered on ninety-five minutes when everyone just went mad, and I felt just ecstatic and I felt like the issues of the last six minutes we've just spoken about at length just didn't matter anymore and I want to talk through the moment of everything that happened the Richarlison goal I feel like the shushing the cop of the crowd and you know everything that went into it and then 90 seconds later Jota gets the winner describe what it was like to be in there when that happened yeah it's it is phenomenal because you know I, I actually thought it was an own goal and I because because he has a big swing at it Darwin doesn't he and he's at the back post and I've watched the replay five times. I still can't really work out where it, it went in from. Because it goes in so strange. It sort of yeah. loops, loops over. which suggests like a, a, a sort of, you know, it, it's 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 like an unintentional kind of, you know, strike of the ball, if you like. So so that made me feel like it was as well. But obviously Richarlison, and you just can't believe we've thrown it away and you're, you're angry, you're frustrated, you can't believe it's him. I was getting a bit wound up by our fans like giving him so much abuse because I was just like there's only one way this finishes you know, can, we, can we all just shut up and pretend he didn't play for Everton please um, just for a minute we'll, we'll do it after the game if you want uh, but but yeah it just you know like Phil was saying before the, the, it always felt like inevitable you know when he came on that, it, that he was going to sort of get that you know he's doing the dance and everything and he just you know we've been annoyed at them so much this season haven't we as a team and, and then you, you go in and you try and be positive and then you are positive and winning 3-0 it's a really nice sort of afternoon and then you know they, they gradually you know <laughs> you know finding ways to, to, to let Spurs sort of back into it and then so then you just you just you just are on the floor and you just like you know Eddie you know we're all clinging on to a slight hope of, of, of top four like Phil says, I thought them results at two o'clock. I think I, I felt a bit deflated coming yeah. up, thinking like I could have done with you know, because they're running out of games, aren't we? We're running out of game. We can keep winning and keep winning, but if they if they don't, Newcastle needs seven points to get a number that we can't match, for example. Yeah, exactly. And so so when Southampton were winning, you're like, oh here we go, and then obviously they come back and you know United. I was following the United game on my phone, just refreshing, just hoping. So so you are a bit deflated from that, and then and then and then we throw it away, and you're thinking of. Oh, that that's why that's why we're not where they are because they'd have they'd have won that game and then you're almost for me you're almost sort of not what you you're still there but you're not you know what I mean like you're just sort of watching and then suddenly you're like hang on Joss has got it like I've learned since it was a Lucas Moore mistake I, I can't tell you how he got how mm. Joss got the ball I was watching it a bit of a daze of anger and annoyance and and you know everything that's running through your head um, and then 
suddenly you're like, I'm going to trust it. Why is how's Jota got it? And he's burning down and the angle's getting worse. And I'm like, is he got is he got anyone to cross to? And he just buries it. And you just fall in love with them all again. <laughs> like you just you go from like, you know, this this like as I say, like, oh, I can't believe what idiots you are to oh, I adore you boys so much. And a Jota's like he he's got these big moments in him, to be fair to him, hasn't he? And you know, he's he's he was he was cool and that's where you want the coolness and that's where like you know we contradict ourselves wonderfully as, as football fans you know i'm saying you know they need to be more agitated but you don't want that there you want the confidence of man who's like i know exactly what to do in this situation you know the best forwards find time don't they they, they, they can almost make time stop they do you know the, the the best finishers in the world and just sort of stroke it like that and it was bedlam it was a reminder why you don't leave early and you know yeah, yeah, just just some celebration. It was funny. The fellas behind me were slagging off Jurgen Klopp, <laughs> um, saying saying I can't I can't remember what it was exactly. Did they were annoyed with him about? I think it's because he'd done an interview with Sky the day before, and you know you want to go round and turn round and talk about like contractual obligations and stuff like that. But you thought I'll just leave it. I just got a problem with interviews with Sky to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> There was a really good um, one with uh, the Aston Villa captain recently, Philip, if you saw that. Uh, excellent. I, I can't remember who did it. But, but, you know, so these fellas are moaning about Jürgen behind me and I'm like, oh, just shut the fuck up, will you? Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and they're like, oh, you know, I love him and that, but he's, it was his fault when he's doing all this talking in the build-up. Like, he's not, like he doesn't fucking hate it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then, and then, and then, and then we score, and then next thing you know, you're just hugging them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I didn't even like. I was, I was gonna say like, oh, yeah, good day, but I just thought I can't be asked. I'm too happy. You know what I mean? Like we're just like, so you know, you go from like wanting to turn around and throw all these perfectly nice people behind you <laughs> to like hugging strangers and stuff like that, and yeah. It was boss. It, it was brilliant. It was boss. You asked. There you go. I did ask. No, it, was, it was a good scratch number. I've got. I've come through with a few stats, haven't I? So I've got one more from Opta. Jota's goal was sixth time Klopp has bought on a substitute. Was scored a 90th minute winner wow. in a Premier League game. No manager has done so more in the history of the competition. That's Amazing. some stat, isn't it? We enjoy these moments. That's what we're in it for. I love. I love him. You know, cards on the table. I'm a. You know first to sign up for the Jota fan club uh, I think he's had really unfair criticism um, over the last few months because you know people were saying he hadn't scored for a year yeah fair point but he'd been injured for most of it and then when he was playing he was being put on the left wing um, and that doesn't bring the best out of his skill set and he was trying to find his way back into a rhythm and, and um, you know after such a long term injury you play that lad centre forward he's the best finisher at the club He's the best finisher. As soon as that ball got, came through, and through from Mora yesterday, you know what John was saying about the angle was getting narrower and narrower, narrower. But all I was thinking was, don't cut back. Don't cut back. I didn't care how narrow the angle was because I knew he was going to score. Yeah. I knew he was going to score. It, 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 I didn't have a shred of doubt that he was going to score. It, all, I could, all I could envisage was um, Ronnie Rosenthal as well against the Blues. It was very, yes. very, very yes. similar. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, at the yeah. last, in a death, in injury yeah, time. Yeah. Um, Feeling young. Feeling young. <laughs> <laughs> that is one for the teenagers. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, he's the best presser out of everyone in the front line. He's the best finisher, in my opinion. He's got an unmistakable, 
the way the way he moves, the way he runs this. He, he might not, he's not Robbie Fowler, but there's something there. There's something there in, in, in the way that he is his movements and the way he carries well himself. Well, better than Figo, he? well better than Figo. Well better than Figo. Don't change um, that song, please. <laughs> I, um, I, for me, when I when I look at Liverpool's forward line, and I, I appreciate what Phil said before, I'm really excited about Gakpo as well. Really excited about him. I want to see more from him. Um, but I just can't envisage a Liverpool front line that I'd be picking where he's not playing centre-forward. Out of all the options that we've got, he's the best presser, he's the best finisher, he's on a roll, he's scoring goals again because he's playing... You know, when, he, when, um, when he first came on yesterday for Diaz, he was put on the wing. Then Nunes came on and he went centre-forward, bang, he scores. And, and I just think we've got to give this lad a run at centre-forward because the, the fella is just goals. And he's, as you said, John, before there... He's so cool. He's so. How many players would have, in that moment, how many players would have lashed at it, cut back, looked for a colleague, and like that? He had no doubt in his mind. He was singular what, what he was going to do, and he buried it. I love calling football players colleagues, by the way. Absolutely. You forget it's their actual job and they are all just colleagues, aren't they? Is that what I said? It's like, yeah, yeah, I love it. It's like it. when Andy Gray used to like commentate by basically creating <laughs> conversations and he goes, and then he sees his mate and he goes, go on, have a goal. <laughs> Um, the, the Tottenham manager Ryan Mason didn't even want Joshua on the pitch at that point. We'll just touch on the red card instance. There was the, the high, high boot and then there was also the skip and tackle on Diaz earlier in the game. Either of them red cards for you? With our bias, obviously. I think the the skip one is. I don't really understand why more hasn't been made of it. Like, I watched Match of the Day last night and Shearer was like, yeah, it's just a yellow card, isn't it? I'm like, sorry, what? Like, I couldn't believe how matter-of-fact it was that it was just a yellow card. That was a terrible tackle. Not even a free out, kick? Not even a free kick. It was out of control. It was high. It was dangerous. It was a bit reckless. It was just... I just thought it was a... As soon as I... When I saw it at half-time, I couldn't believe that he hadn't been sent off. I thought... Diaz's reaction sort of told you it was quite bad. I think a lot of people thought he was quite seriously injured, but I think it was more one of those where it was a bit like, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a bit of shock here. Like, I just think that's a blatant red card. I don't think you should be tolerating tackles like that if you're catching someone that far above, what, the, it was above the foot, really? Above the ankle. Above the ankle, above the foot. If you're doing something like that, you should, that's just a red card. The Jota one, I can see how it's a red card. The problem is it just doesn't get given as a red card. I remember... Um, Manchester City played Palace a couple of months ago, a few months ago. I can't remember how long ago it was. And Haaland did exactly the same thing, doesn't get sent off. So it feels like a sort of a precedent has been set on that. If he'd have sent him off, I probably wouldn't have been wouldn't have been complaining. But at the end of the day, he kicked someone in the head who should have been showered and sat in a trackie watching on telly. <laughs> Ultimately, that's... and Luke Shaw did it in the Man United game. Yeah, I saw that. It's yeah, not, yeah. Getting, it's not no. getting replayed and replayed yeah. and replayed like yeah. this one is. And this whole narrative that that, that Ryan Mason's going on about how he shouldn't have been on the pitch, Jota to score the winner. Well, Skip shouldn't have been on the pitch exactly. anyway exactly. for, for, for Jota to... And by the way, after what he did to Diaz, I just felt like, well, you had to come and lad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it's just a bad... It's a bad tackle. Jota's a little bit... It's, a, it's, more, it's more... It's not malicious or anything. It's just... Sometimes things happen on football pitches that are just a bit accidental. And as I say, if you just sent him off, I wouldn't have gone. That's an outrageously bad decision. I mean, there's there's genuine decisions that that referee made yesterday that were outrageous, such as the the Salah one at the end, yeah. where I, Ben Davis for me tried to rugby tackle him, missed <laughs> the free kick gets given missed against Salah. and gets a free kick. But that makes the goal even sweeter as well, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Because exactly. their goal comes yeah, from yeah, that situation. Exactly. Um, Klopp said, "The way he looks at me, it's difficult to understand. It, it feels." 
personal, doesn't well, it? This uh, this tension going on between what well, he calls Mister Tierney. He yeah. doesn't even use his first name. I think it's just a bit. I had looked last night. He's refereed 28 Premier League games this season and seven of them involved us. Like, I don't really understand how that's possible. There's about, there's 22 referees and we've had 21% of our games refereed by one fella. That's madness. I don't that, understand, I don't understand how this is a thing. Like, you shouldn't be able to be in a position where you build up a negative or positive rapport with a referee because you have him so frequently. That's basically saying that we're going to have Paul Tierney once more this season. There's 22 referees. We've got five games left. That's that's the, the position yeah. we're in, sort of statistically with him. That on balance of what we've had so far, we're probably going to get him again, which just feels feels ridiculous. As referees, we can't have because there's I think there's two ones from Merseyside that we can't have. Um, whereas you know, great to Manchester, Manchester ones can referee yeah. Manchester, which feels a feels a slight flaw. You know, Mike <laughs> Dean didn't referee Liverpool games for I think it was about thirteen years or so. Yeah. Um, and we we get the I'm not massively into the. The greater Manchester thing because I'll be honest I, I actually think Anthony Taylor is quite a good referee relatively if I, if I see Anthony Taylor I'm, I think the game's probably going to be refereed reasonably well so it's not necessarily a geographical thing I just think he's I think Paul Tierney is just a, a frankly abysmal referee and it's really quite annoying that the frequency with which we're we're forced to, to watch him I don't think he's biased I just think he's bad because I just think he's, he I think he's consistently bad for both teams and he just makes some of the decisions he makes I'd love to just sit down and go can you talk us through this? And when they talk about VAR not re-refereeing things, there's some situations where probably should be. Like, if you've missed that foul on uh, on Diaz by Skip and you have a video showing you that tackle, is it re-refereeing to go, do you want to go and have another look at this? And if he has another look at it and goes, no, absolutely, that's fine, then, all right, I'll disagree with it. But that makes more sense. Whereas he's just allowed to, you know, make... What's what I think is a howler. There was a thing on um where they were talking the referees were talking on I think it was Peter Walton on BT on Saturday saying, Well, VAR is there to correct howlers, which is fine. That for me was a howler. Well, especially because they didn't give a free kick. Yeah. And so he's he's missed it. Yeah. So that is if he'd give a free kick or booked him. Exactly. Then I think that's almost Completely misses it. Yeah, yeah a, a more understandable yeah, exactly. why VAR doesn't get involved. Yeah. Then he thinks, well, he's he's there, he's on the ground. He feels like you know that's just the yellow card or whatever. But the fact that he's not given free kicks says he's completely missed it. Yeah. So that's where VAR should step in yeah. and say, you've missed this, it's, but it's a fucking shocker. Do you want to look at it? It's but, where this, it's where that it and apparently didn't give it because he got the ball first. Which, by the way, he didn't get the ball. The, uh, he touched the ball. I, I'm, I'm just saying. No, yeah, no, no, that's, no, that's, no, that's no, 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 no. That they've given. No, no, I know you. I know you were Stanley. I'm not Neil Atkinson. the message. Technically, they couldn't have even intervened unless it was given as a yellow and they were no, looking no. to upgrade it to a red because it wasn't given at all. They can't actually... In, like, they, they can look can. at it, but they can't actually... Can they? Can still send them off. If it's only if it's a red only card, a red card. Yeah. they yeah, can't yeah, yeah, yeah. intervene yeah. and give yeah. a yellow. No, or, no. You know. But the, the idea that he got the ball, he, he touched the ball, yeah. but he didn't play the ball, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It was that's just a bad referee being bad, ultimately. Well, hopefully we've not got them Wednesday night. I don't know who we've got refereeing us Wednesday night. It's him I'm, again. I'm hoping it's not him. John, let's have a little think about the Fulham game. It is only two days away. Late fitness test, the manager. He's done his hammy. Don't know, <laughs> don't know how I'll be able to recover from that. It is all now about building a bit of form, a bit of consistency heading into pre-season and heading into next season, isn't it? Because like we've mentioned before, the results didn't go away. We are in fifth. The Europa League does look the most likely, but let's just push on now and, and have a good end to the season and see where it takes us. Yeah, just keep winning and... 
I think it's a nice game. Uh, I'm speaking to Jack Collins straight after this for our pre-match warm-up show um, on the on the, for the app. And you know, my first question is: Are you guys going to be on the beach? Because I'm really hopeful that you know Fulham are a bit of a funny situation. I know they've got this quite fun West London mini league going on uh, right <laughs> in, in the centre. But I think you know, since that FA Cup game, I think Fulham of of a of sort of you know the, the seasons petered out from that really and you know they had a little renaissance against Everton God bless them for that but I think generally I think they look like the the just sort of you know playing playing out the season now and, and, and sort of seeing where they end up obviously the you know they're, they're going to finish pretty well in, in mid table which I'm sure they took massively when when they you know the start of the season and so yeah they've done great um, but I'm just you know, I think it is a nice game. At this stage of the season, you want teams who haven't got much to play for. And, and if they're at home, then, then great. And so, you know, we have a little bit more to play for. You know, we want to get into Europe. We want to, you know, finish as, high, as you know as high as possible. And, and you want to keep that pressure on just in case, the, you know, what, 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 one of those teams who are in the top four places does sort of have a bit of a collapse. You want to be, you want to be ready. And, and that's what he'll be saying to the players. You know, you don't, Imagine if they have a collapse and we've not took advantage of it yeah. because we've been drawn in silly games at home. And so keep going. Wednesday should be good. Um, and yeah, maybe a couple of fresh faces in there, but I don't think you'll do massive changes, but maybe, you know, one or two changes like we like we saw on, on on Sunday just to keep things fresh and keep players involved and just keep winning. Just keep winning. Um, big nines now, big five. Big five. Yeah, big five. Big five left. Are you making many changes to the starting lineup, Shu? To be consistent, what I said before, Jota centre forward, um, and I'd probably play Gakpo on the left, and I'd probably look to try and alternate, you know, make switches between, you know, in game uh, for the two. I think that might be quite nice. Um, I think I'd probably bring Jordan back in uh, to midfield, but other than that, I'd probably leave it, leave it alone. Yeah, think we're gonna win, Phil. I think we'll win. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll win. Feeling That's confident. The... Yeah. Going to win the big five? I think the big five could be a successful five. Where's this come from? Just Neil? Just Neil, yeah. yeah just Neil's yeah. weird, Ed. Yeah, just Neil. It's fun, though, isn't it? And now we're all saying it like it's completely normal. <laughs> like it's, I mean, in fairness, he has got the streets talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Weird things becoming completely normal. That's what you get if you stick around the Anfield route long enough. But do subscribe to the app and everything because we do lovely just content. just Neil, then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. As ever, it was a mad 90 minutes. Hopefully, we've made things a little bit more clear. There is a game on Wednesday night. There is a game again at Anfield on Saturday. So do join us for all the build-up, all the reaction, everything you need as ever from the Anfield Wrap. That has been it. Thank you. <laughs>